So today we're going to continue in our sermon series called Navigating Life Well. Um, we're going to talk about an important subject today because we're trying to grow in wisdom. We're trying to grow in maturity. We're trying to grow in grace. And it's important as the people of God that we are good, productive, and worshipful workers. See, we'll get into this. Many people think that work is part of the curse of sin, but God actually created us to work, and when we work the way we were designed, it actually brings glory to God. Now, there's a lot of lazy people out there, and I'm not talking to any of you. I was reading some statistics, and um, 95% of all gadgets return to stores. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just people won't read the directions. I'm guilty, real guilty. Only 5% of them have something wrong with them. It's just people say, I want this to be easy. I want this to come quickly. There's no way I'm going to the manual right now. 80% of people don't do enough physical activity in the day. Five Five times more people watch TV than actually get the recommended dose of exercise. Can you imagine that, guys? Once again, I'm not talking to anybody in this room. In Britain, I'm not talking bad about Britain, but in Britain, they did a survey for the whole nation. 15% of the people said if the batteries go on their channel changer, they will watch the same channel till they have to go to bed. May I cry out guilty (laughs) once again. We tend to be lazy, not over in some of those everyday life areas, but we tend to be lazy when it comes to the work of God and also to our own vocation because God calls us to be holy in our vocation. (coughs) He calls us to work hard and be fruitful. Christians, followers of Jesus, should be the best workers in their workplace and your worship should, your work should be worship that points people to a God of excellence and an excellent creator. I got to start a book called Work Matters by Tom Nelson. I'm only about one chapter or two chapters in. Someone recommended it to me. And he uses a story. Did anyone see the movie Wally? I wasn't crazy about Wally. It was all right, don't get me wrong, but it ain't Lion King status. It was, it was good. All Incredibles. All the Crudes is no joke also. But... <laughs> Wally, it starts out and it's just this empty world, right? And Wally's just cleaning up trash, right? This seems like there's no one else in the world. Poor old Wally, just cleaning up trash. He meets this other robot, trying to remember it all correctly. <coughs> but I'm still getting better, guys, so a few coughs today. But her name's Eve. And what had happened was they left Wally there to clean up all the trash on the earth. And all the human beings went to a space station to be taken care of by robots and basically sit on the couch like a couch potato and do nothing. So their lives were work free. They thought it was an absolute utopia. They thought that was the glory of it all, right? And it was an absolute miserable existence. Like you looked at these people and they were miserable because I know it's the cartoon, but God didn't make us or design us to be couch potatoes. 
You are going to be absolutely miserable if you don't work, create, cultivate, design in your life. Because God created you to do that. You ever notice that it's, it's good not working about two weeks? Right? Oh, so good to have a break. And then you go out and you golf. You go to that place, take that nice walk. There's nothing to do. You read half of that book you wanted to read. Next, you no, know, two weeks gone by, you're like, what the heck am I going to do with the rest of my life? Because you were created to work for the advancement of the gospel, to worship God. You are also created to have a vocation, to be skillful at something, to be a craftsman. Now, I'm talking to you whether you're a doctor, whether you're a scientist, whether you're a construction worker, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whatever you do, Jesus calls us to do that with all our might for his glory, not to do it slack, but to do it diligently. And Proverbs has much to say about that. <clears throat> and if I could just read a few of those verses with you. Proverbs 12:11 says, Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. Have you ever met that person who doesn't want to get a job Right? But they want to come up with all these inventions and all these things, the worthless pursuits that never go anywhere, and they're always wanting, they're always needing. What really happens is they don't want to work, they want to play. Right? They don't want to put in the toil, so they're going to do something else, and when that gets old, they go to something else, and their worthless pursuits, they lack common sense. That's what Proverbs says. Proverbs 12, 14 says, The fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hands come back to him. You have to work to get reward. You have to toil to see the fruit of that. Proverbs 22, 29 says, Do you see a skillful man in his work? He will be standing before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Whatever you do, you should be so skillful at that that people want to come and see you do it. Bill Russell was telling his father one day, he said, I want to be a basketball player. His dad said, I don't care what you are. If you're a grave digger, I want you to be the best grave digger on the planet. I want people in the whole country to come to see you dig graves. Whatever you do, I want you to be the best. To the point that people want to say, I want to go see their craftsmanship. I want to see the work of their hands. I want to see their skills. Proverbs 24, 27 says, prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field, and after, build your house. Prepare, work, be skillful, do it with all your might. So we have a lot of different trades here, a lot of different vocations here. I want us at Restoration Road, when we're in the workplace, when we're waking up, when our attitudes, our outlook to be like, I'm going to worship, I'm going to make much of God, I'm going to do my job diligently, and skillfully like God created me for the glory of the gospel. So let's start here. We were created to work. Now, I for years thought wrong theologically that work was part of the curse, like I said. I said, wait till I get to heaven. I talked to Adam. I got some beef with him that I got to get up every day and punch in. But I saw the text wrong. And if you turn Genesis 3, 17 through 19, if you don't have your Bible, we don't judge you around here. Grace, grace. It says, in Adam, he said, this is after Adam and Eve had fall, they have rebelled against God. He said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. 
In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your faith, face <laughs> you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. What did God curse there when it came to work? The ground. See, a lot of people see, think that, it's, oh, you did something wrong, you're cursed, now you've got to work. What Genesis teaches us in the creation narrative is that God looked at his creation and says, I need someone to tend it and to keep it and stupid, uh, steward it, and he made man to keep it. Man was made to be a gardener, a steward, to cultivate what God had made. Now, what happened there is the difference between your hobby that you do on Saturday in your garden and the toil you do to survive, right? So I told you with Donna's father, he used to have a garden, and on Saturday he'd go there, and the enjoyment he'd get from tending this garden, there was no way I could have said he was working, even though he was working. He rubbed those zucchinis like they were giving him pure joy. When those tomatoes were ripe, man, there was a smile on his face. He tended those things. He put it in the window. There was joy all around. He was working, but it wasn't like that toilsome work. Then did you see that Super Bowl commercial and God made a farmer? That's a good commercial right there. These guys are farming. They're doing great. They're still stewarding. But I'm telling you, that looked hard. These dudes are up before the crack of dawn. These dudes are throwing hay. Their, their forearms are like this big. They're just dusting stuff. They're just raking stuff. They're just building stuff. They're just doing. Now it's still rewarding. But there's a lot of more toil, thorns, and thistles because that ground is cursed. And you really got to work it to get it to bear fruit. Now, Adam was working that garden. But he wasn't working it like that. There was a little more enjoyment involved. See, we think in heaven, we think in the garden eating that people are just sitting around with a piece of straw in their mouth. You're like, I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm going to sit around for a thousand years. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit around. No, God is going to have stuff for us to do. Part of his kingdom, we are designed to work before sin even came in because we are created in God's image. Do you know that God is a working God? He's not a couch potato God. God doesn't get up and look at the TV schedule and say, let me sit down. No, I like TV. I'm knocking TV. I love movies, TV, and Netflix. There's a time for that. But I'm saying God does that on Sunday. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. But he's a working God. You see, from the time creation started, he is designing things. He is cultivating things. He is making things. He is bringing them into existence to the points where he needs a day of rest. Right? He's a working God. He's a creating God. I, and that's why we're like that. I went to Rainforest Cafe. My daughter is 10 years old now. Double digits. Wow. So we went to Rainforest Cafe. And she loved, you know the place where they have that little fake sky where the shooting stars go across? <coughs> she said, man, I love that. And you looked around. You see the design. You see they cultivated the place. They really did an outstanding job. And what man really does is we create like God because our God is creator. All artists, you're an artist because your God is an artist. When you design stuff, when you engineer, now talk about God being an engineer and mathematics and all those things. That's why God makes us all different and we need to be who we are because some of us are more engineers, some of us are more artists, some of us are more cultivators, some of us are more farmers because God is like that. 
and we are made in the image of God. So we see, first of all, we were created to work, and work is a good thing. Now, I want to give you a definition from Tom Nelson's book, what it means to be made in the image of God. It is important that we give a quick... I want to read his thing. <coughs> first, we were designed to exercise proper dominion over creation, which is a divinely delegated stewardship role. So we are in a very unique way called to have dominion and steward and cultivate this earth in a way that animals aren't. You know how they always tell you the same? You're no different from an animal. Yes, you are. You are made in the image of God. He has given you dominion in his image to steward and cultivate this earth. Second, humans are designed by God to reflect who God is in a good world. This means when you do your work excellently, when you do it excellent, when it's stellar, you are reflecting God to a good world he has created. Now, we need to look at a certain word that's brought up in this book, and some of the stuff I am I'm preaching from today is informed by that book. There's this word called, this word, called uh, this word avoda. It's a Hebrew word used in the creation narrative and also used when it comes to laying bricks and building the temple when people were making fine linens, and also when Solomon told the priest to lead the congregational worship. That word avoda means work, it means service, it means craftsmanship. But guess what else it means? Worship. That means in the Old Testament, the way they revealed God and revealed work, they were connected so closely, work and worship. That when you were working, you were actually worshiping. When you were building the temple of God, that was worship. When you were making linen, that was worship. When you were here singing, that was worship. And this is so important for us to hear because there's a disconnect where people think, sometimes, some of us don't, that worship happens from 11.15 to 12.15 on Sunday. And we do worship. But we compartmentalize our life and think it stops there. That's horrible. Imagine you worship one hour a week. Jesus died so we can worship one hour a week. No. Jesus died so every part of our life, whether we're working, whether we're at church, whether we're preaching the gospel, whether we're loving our family, is worship unto him because that's what we were designed to do. There's a story about three masons. And someone goes up to him and asks the masons, he says, they were building this huge cathedral in England. And he asked them, he said, ask the first mason, what are you doing? He said, I'm cutting stone. <laughs> he said, all right. They asked the second person, what are you doing? He said, I'm making a living. The third person said, what are you doing? He said, I'm building a home for God and his people. It's the same way when we get up. You're not going just to make money. You're not going just to cut stone or whatever your vocation is. You're going to worship God. And outlook is everything. How do you look at your job? You're going to worship. And because I'm preaching on this week, I worked the hardest I've ever worked this week. Like everything I did was overkill. You know what I mean? I'm putting in a plug. I'm like three hours on the plug. I couldn't. It's got to look right. I'm worshiping. No, me and my buddy, Joe, we literally say to each other, we talk about, hey, I'm just worshiping. I'm putting the light just worshiping over here, brother. And they'll come over and help me say, I can't let you worship alone. We just joke around about it because we're trying to change 
our outlook because it's so important. Because if you work slack, it's not a good testimony of who God is and what he has done for you. I put an um, exhaust fan in at the Kelly house this week. And I had to travel to Florida to find this exhaust fan. It was so, I think it was from 1876 when they originally built it as a nursing home. I literally was walking in the place to like, get that thing out of here right now. I don't want to see it. I was like, well, can you do anything? No, go home. It was unbelievable. <laughs> so I finally, I'm working hard. I'm like, I got to find just the right fan. I find just the right fan. I put this thing in. And of course, I'm preaching on worship this week. I wanted to make sure every person that went by that fan said, Joey's worshiping here. There was worship up in this place right here. That went, imagine if I just put that in, like didn't even bolt it in. I, I, I hung it up with some Romex, put a little extension cord and said, Rich, it's all done. Looking good, brother. I'm your pastor. Come hear me preach on Sunday. He would say, what are you talking about? You can't preach if you don't even do your work good. Because the way we do our work is crucial. We should never be slack at our work. I heard a, a pastor from California say one of his members invited someone to church. And the guy said to him, I'll never go to that church because I know a lawyer from that church. And he's the most crooked lawyer I've ever met in my life. And the pastor said it that Sunday. He said, this is what happened. He said that day, 20 lawyers came up to him and repented because everyone thought it was them. <laughs> it is so important that we do our work with integrity, with honesty, with an outlook of worship because there's another side to this coin. God calls us in Proverbs to work diligently. He created us to work. Work is worship. But they get on the sluggard in Proverbs like I've never heard. This serious trash talk on the sluggard in Proverbs. Like to the point I said, <coughs> Solomon's coming down a little hard with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit on some sluggards in the house. Once again, as I say this, I'm not talking to anybody here. But I do want us, honestly. There's some of us today, we're, we're overworkers, we work too much. And, and when we get the application part, I'm going to tell you, you guys need to rest. And there's some of us who will hear the description of laziness and say, man, at times I'm lazy. I can be a sluggard. I need to start working. When you hear either one of these things, I need you to hear them with grace and no condemnation from me. Because I'm not here to condemn anyone. I'm here to invite you into deeper living and glorifying God through the power of the gospel. That's what we're trying to do here. But here we go on the sluggard. I'm going to read some verses, and some of them are pretty hard, harsh. Proverbs 13, 4 says, The soul of a sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Have you ever noticed that about a lazy person? <coughs> they want all the rewards of hard work, <coughs> but they don't want to work for it. You don't get rewards, you don't get profit, unless you work hard for it. And lazy souls are always craving, saying, I want this, I want that, I want to be there, but they're not willing to work for it. The lazy soul is a craving soul, and we're supposed to be souls filled by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Proverbs 10, 4 says, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 18, 9 says, whoever is slack in his work is a brother who, to him who destroys. That's heavy language, right? 
If you're lazy, you're a brother to him who destroys. Proverbs 21, 25, the desire of a sluggard kills him, <coughs> for his hands refuse to labor. Proverbs 24, the sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. Then it talks about Proverbs 24, 30 through 34. You pass by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, the ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a robber and want like an armed man. With lazy people, you give them something to steward, and you come back and you look at it, it's an absolute mess because they are not stewing it well. Lazy people love sleep way too much. Do you love sweet sleep way too much? People got serious when I asked that. Proverbs 20, I didn't mean to be that serious. That wasn't even part of the prep. Love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes, and you will have plenty of bread. God's given us, you need to sleep. <laughs> but some of us, like the scripture will say coming up, we sleep way too much. And I want to call you into a healthy li lifestyle. If you're sleeping too much, there's a good chance you're lazy. Okay? There's a good chance you're lazy. I'm hitting you with scriptures today. Proverbs 19, 15. 15. Slothfulness cast into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. And finally, after all that thing, I got a few more verses, but I hit you pretty heavy with the Proverbs sluggard talk. Finally, who does the Proverbs tell us to look to to learn how not to be lazy? The ant. It says, go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Now, I never thought of this before, but have you ever thought or observed an ant? I mean, taking the time, besides trying to get them off your cabinets. Have you thought about an ant's life? I'll tell you one observation. An ant never stops moving. Have you noticed that? They never stop. If a child's chasing an ant, they never stop moving. That child is just like, an ant is always moving. It's always working. It's always got something on its back. And it's always huge. It's like a squirrel, three ants and a squirrel going down your driveway. And you're like, how are they carrying that? <coughs> Me and Talia went, they had a caterpillar yesterday, and I had to make a serious decision. The caterpillar was half dead, and these ants were beating it down. And she's saying, should we save them? I wanted to save them. But you know how they say, just let nature go? I said, he's too far gone. we got to let him go. And they carried that caterpillar off. They're always working. I don't know. Maybe I need to repent. I don't know. It was a tough decision right there. As a dad, Talia said, man, they are strong. They're strong, man. Ants are so strong. They work. They carry because they work together. That's another thing. Ants work together. If you're a worker, you need to work with other people to make things happen. And because they work together, they're able to carry things that are way bigger than them. They're able to survive. And finally... I feel like ants always find the food. Have you guys run into this? You got it like in a stainless steel jar, fully sealed. Somehow you open it, there's two ants in there. You think, how did he find this? We learn from ants. You got to work hard. You got to work with others. You got to be strong. And then you will always be supplied for. These are important things to learn. They use a lot of uh, animal references and... Um, 
Proverbs, and this is one of them. If you're lazy, remember this. You won't forget this. Look to the ant. Now, finally, in our application, because I want to be honest with you as a pastor, when I first started following Jesus, I was an extremely lazy man. I was just outright lazy. And I knew it. I knew it. <coughs> I said, I am sinfully lazy. You know how you have certain struggles with sins more than others? My struggle was with laziness to the point where I said, I'm not going to be a successful man. I'm not going to point to Jesus. I'm not going to glorify God if I don't stop being lazy. And I had to get down on my knees and say, God, I am lazy. I need you to change my heart. And guess what? That didn't happen overnight. I decided to go into a job that was the hardest job I ever had to work. Now, that's what I need to hear. There is no job too low for you except working for the Yankees. There is no job that is too low for you. I had to become an apprentice. And I told you guys a little a few weeks ago. I had to become an apprentice. And when you are an apprentice in the trade, you are the bottom of the barrel. And I had to get up early. Now, they told me after I started getting up early every morning that I'd get used to it. That was a lie. That's not in Scripture. Five years of apprenticeship getting up at 5 o'clock. Every morning I suffered. I hated it. I'm a night person. It's in my genes. It just won't change. It was a nightmare. There used to be a door 13, right? We call it door 13 because I worked in this factory, and we work on these lines for Gillette, and we work wiring them and piping them. And I'm a free man. You know, every day I'm in my own business, I, I smell the freedom. I'm saying, free man, we call it freemanism, me and my buddies. It's good to be free when you wake up. We were trapped in this place from 6.30 to 3. And I look out there at 13, I'll just look at outside, like, man, I want to be out there one day. It was so hard, but I had to do it because I had to be diligent. And my goal was to get my license and start my own business. So you need a plan. And now we'll talk about that in the next few weeks, how to have a plan in life. But you need to be willing to work diligently and God will change your heart. So now I'm on the other side where I need to learn how to rest. Like before, my schedule was like, I'm going to sleep as late as possible. I'm going to call my buddies. I'm going to go out and party. I'm going to get up and do it again. I'm not going to contribute. I'm going to have other people support me. Like all these things were going on. Then God changed my heart by the power of the gospel. Now I'm working, and not only am I able to contribute to my family, but I'm able to help with others. And that's where you want to get. You want to be a person who can carry weight. You want to be a person who can carry responsibility. You want your circle of just your family to open up to your enemies, your friends, your family. How can you care for them? How can your hands that are working hard supply for them and be diligent for them? And God can do that. I want to encourage you guys. I might have been the laziest man on earth when I was 19. Now, because God has changed my heart, I'm able to work diligently and see fruit in my life. And there's many of you who that has happened the same. So I don't want to say that and just leave no hope. There's a lot of hope because Jesus died, so you don't have to be lazy. Secondly, I love in our jobs, like I said, whatever you guys do, that you tackle every day to the point that people would see your craftsmanship. And they want to come to Restoration Road. I'm okay. No, but really, whether you put in an exhaust fan, whether you help with 
whether you're a dentist, I know no one's a dentist, but I'm just thinking of whatever you would do, whether you're a nurse, whether you're a chef, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you work with tech stuff, whether you're in construction, whatever you do, allow your craftsmanship to point to God. I know there was this lady who worked, I used to get cleanings. And when you find a good dentist, that's a good thing. Because some of them rough you up. And they had this lady who would clean teeth, right? She would clean teeth. And the way she cleaned teeth made me feel guilty. Number one, when she smiled, I felt like the sun hit her teeth and hit me. They were the best teeth I ever saw in my life. Then she'd start working in my mouth. I'd apologize for not flossing, right? You know how it goes. I'll do it better next year. Say I apologize again. She would clean my teeth so good, I'd feel guilty and say, I gotta take my craft more seriously. This is the best dental hygienist I ever met in my life. She's bringing the glory to God. I gotta stop slacking. And I wanna call you guys. Are there places that you slack on your job? Are there places where keep people come by after you and say, Who did this? They didn't put the time and the effort into it. And I want you to allow the gospel of Jesus Christ to cause whatever you do, to do it as worship and to the glory of God, that you reflect your creator on this earth. Thirdly, I want us to ask, ask ourselves these questions. We're growing as a church. We're young. What are your skills to help build this house? What are your skills? Because we need you. We need you. Now, once again, this is an invitation. I don't condemn anyone. I don't condemn anyone. You can just come in here for the rest of your life. I'm with you. I love you. But God's given us something to cultivate here. He's building this house. He's doing a great job at it. And you have gifts, and you have talents, and you have callings that this church needs to flourish and be cultivated to continue to bring glory to God. So I want to ask you to ask yourself, how are you contributing or how can you contribute to cultivate this place so more souls find Jesus, so more people mature in wisdom, so more people are restored, so more people are saved? What does it tell us to pray for? There's 7 billion people in this world. It says the harvest is plentiful, plentiful. There's so many people out there that need Jesus. That's why I read that church planting thing. Because we're not competing with anyone. We need a thousand more. We need ten more churches in this town. There's 25,000 people in this town. I didn't mean, did I wake you up, Isabella? I'm sorry. But I still got to keep going. Because it's so huge. God said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Are you someone who, someone can say, that's a person who's laboring for the kingdom of God? Is that someone who's toiling to see the advancement of the gospel? Is that someone who's contributing to make Jesus known? Is that someone who's given their life to take care of people? I call you to that today. If you've been slacking that, step up, repent. It's free. It's grace. Move on. But answer the call. We need you here at Restoration Roll to use your gifts. See George after at the worship table. We need you to do this thing healthy. And I'm honest, guys, I have so much hope for the future. I love the present. God's going to continue to do awesome things, not only in us, but in so many churches around here. But we need laborers. We need people who say, there's a work that needs to be done, and I'm going to sacrifice my life to see it happen.
And finally, we never get through any message with saying the greatest work was done by Jesus Christ. Don't forget, that wasn't easy. To take on flesh, to live a sinful, sinless life, to be flogged and beaten and bruised and tore apart for the sins of the world, to rise again. Everything he faced in adversity was a work. He came to this earth and said work needs to be done, and he did that work on our behalf. Live in that truth of that work and allow that truth and grace to propel you to be a hard worker for the glory of God. Amen?